Welcome to Earth School, a weekly podcast about weaving the healing journey artfully into life, hosted by B.B. Dalman and Rosalind McNally. Welcome listeners and welcome BB. I'm delighted to be back for another week to share the healing journey and how to navigate it with everybody. This week we are dropping into the exploration of the ego and what it is and what it looks like on our healing journey and maybe how to even work with it rather than against it. Um, the ego sometimes gets a bit of a bad rap, so it does. It's kind of like Mercury retrograde. It gets a lot of a bad rap. Um, so we'll be exploring into that there. So enjoy. And Bibi, I would love to hear sort of how you see the ego and its role in the healing journey. Mm, I love that he said it gets a bad rap. I was about to say that. <laughs> it really it really does, doesn't it? Um, maybe, maybe let's start with why it is actually kind of important to have an ego and then we can always like, you know, go into where it can go a little and overshoot a little bit. So um, to have a healthy sense of ego is really, really important because quite fundamentally keeps you alive. <laughs> it's when you're, when you're in the water and, you know, a wave catches you out and that urge to go up and look for the surface and take a breath. That's essentially your ego running through your nervous system and your urge to, to live. You know, it's, it's this very strong incentive that makes you run away from, you know, the tiger. It's this, um, this will to live that, you know, that we need to some extent, especially if we look back um, historically, when our living circumstances weren't quite as, you know, safe to some, ex to some extent for a lot of us in the Western world, um, especially where we're not living in war-torn countries. Um, we don't necessarily have to worry about surviving as such uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. There are, of course, different situations as well. But um, so the ego essentially keeps us alive and it, on a more spiritual level, the ego is really what anchors your soul into, into this existence. So to have an ego, to recognize the ego and to understand the ego's needs and to have a conversation with the ego so that its needs are covered, uh, it's just so fundamental and avoiding that process is actually, is actually getting us more and more entangled into an unhealthy sense of ego. But what's, what's sort of your vision into what you, Rosalind, um, associate with the ego and those, on those levels? So like chatting about the healthy ego, like, is that we, we need it, like we need all parts of ourselves, like, but we also need to come into maybe a different relationship with it, a different understanding of it, a different framework within it. Um, but my ego is also the thing that drives me like, do you know, like, and that can be unhealthy or healthily, but even in my spiritual journey, it's my ego that goes, come on, let's go do this here. Like, you know, you can, you can be better, like, you know, not better than, but better than yourself, like, or different than you were previously, or you can get through this. And this is the next thing to do. You know, it's the part of me that launched my business. It's the part of me that grows my business, do you know? And then like everything, it can be two sides, but it is still needed. Like, do you know, like, and we don't, I think sometimes in the healing world, it's so easy just to label things good and bad that we sort of throw everything out versus actually sitting with it and going, what actually 
is my ego like versus I just read in a book that it's a bad thing. So therefore I need to eliminate my ego, like, like exterminate, like the, what you call it in Doctor Who, like, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, no, cause to me, it's never eliminate anything. It's integrate everything. It's what we've been talking about the years, isn't it? This idea of it is never about overcoming the lower chakras. So then at some point we're worthy and we, you know, transcend just into the higher realms. Uh, there, it goes into, when we go into a deeper level into the questions of why are we actually here? Why are we born into this physical realm? So there's something for us to, to learn and explore that requires a physical environment. And the aspect that, you know, uh, understands that, that spurs us on to put food in our mouth, to nourish ourselves, to, like you said, to open a business, but to also go to work and understand our, our sense of responsibilities to keep ourselves not just alive, but then also thriving in a, that's relating to a healthy sense of, of ego. Um, it's just so, so, so important. Um, and in, in that way, it brings us into that conversation between, and I think that's where the spiritual practice is coming in, this conversation between the individual and then the collective, uh, the personal versus the universal. And it is, as long as we're human beings, we're living between heaven and earth, we're living in this physical expression, but there is also a subtler and a, a soulful and a more ethereal aspect to ourselves. But while we're living in this physical world, we also need to acknowledge uh, that this physical body has needs and that is where the ego can help us as well um, a sense of a healthy identity of who I am so I'm capable to not just get by and exist in this world but to actually thrive a healthy sense of ego that allows me to have a healthy relationship even to money so I understand uh, there's a certain level of as long as we're living in we're not living in a barter culture we're living in a culture where we exchange money um, where in order to feed myself, maybe organically or healthily, I need a certain amount of money. Uh, for those of you who are yoga teachers or on a healing journey, all those trainings and courses uh, that you're going on, they all cost money as well. So there is this, uh, to exist in the physical world, there is this reality of we have to take care of ourselves and also the possibility of us actually being able to create something in this world. And the more healthy of our relationship we develop to to that integral system the almost easier it becomes and to transcend it as well to go okay i i can i have an identity and i have a name in this world and you know uh, i have an ego that wants to drive whether it's this business or this purpose that i have or wants to create something in the world and you know connect with people um doesn't exist in isolation but it sits also in connection with this greater understanding, this this more subtler realm, this aspect of ourself that doesn't have or isn't just purely refined to this physical body. And so, again, we're coming into a terrain where it's, it, that's very hard to process for a brain. So a lot of the times we kind of anchor into the physicality. And then the problem is with a lot of the, the spiritual traditions, they go, well, no, 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 what you're hanging on to, just you need to transcend, you need to let go of all of that. And I think... There is for sure times when our ego can become like anything overexpressed. And we might come to that, that later on. But if, if I don't listen to my ego in terms of what I need to even as a, as a human being to exist in terms of food, in terms of air, in terms of safety, in terms of even love, um, 
if I'm trying to transcend an unfulfilled need that is there purely because not I'm greedy, but because I'm a human being, it would be very, very difficult to transcend that. And it kind of catapults us back into it because the ego wants to keep you essentially alive. It's like the nervous system wants to keep you, you alive. And so if you're not paying attention to the food intake or, you know, the, the money you're bringing in or your, your existence in this physical world, if you don't hear yourself and you don't see yourself being alive, because we're not spending that much time in our body, it will keep pulling you back and it actually gets louder. And so an overemphasized ego is really, to me, only a symptom of not actually having a relationship with our body or with ourselves, with our, our ego, rather than too much of it. It's the outcry of not being in relationship with the ego in the first place. Mm. It's like sort of navigating the sort of bringing it into the mundane like do you know like so it's the anchoring of the spiritual in the mundane asking like all my practices like they're all they're, to me any practice is only as useful as it helps me navigate this world here mm-hmm. you know and if it's and it's not about not transcending or you know, going outside the body or any of that there, it all has a purpose. But for most people, when they're starting out in their spiritual journey, that's the first place they'll go to because obviously it's too much here. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't be here. It's too hard. Like I can't stand listening to my own head anymore. All I hear is harshness and a lack of compassion. And, you know, you're not enough and you need to do more and whatever the stories is like. So, to me, it's like the practices are hopefully the idea is to learn them and practice them to allow us to be here, like and to listen to what's going on inside myself, but then also seeing how that impacts and has a ripple effect on the outside world. Like, so it's not just the I, the ego isn't just the I, 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 and the self focus of healing, which sometimes happens, but the understanding of the ripple effect of that and the collective, then as well. Like, mm-hmm. so it's like I do this work. I was listening to someone recently and it was lovely. It was like, do I do this work for myself and then for others and then for the collective? Or do can I look at it from a perspective as I do it for the collective and then for, I think it's my community and then myself, like, but not what, depending then on our, on our conditioning, like, but not at the detriment to the self mm-hmm. at the same time. Like, but I thought that's a beautiful way of looking sort of at the, the ego is that, can be very self-focused as in the I, I, I versus, okay, what does this look like in a greater picture of the whole? Like, Yeah. And one of my, one of my, um, your yoga teacher, Sharon Gannon, actually, um, in the Jiva Mukti lineage, she always said, um, the best way to get out of your own drama is by focusing your attention. How can you help others? And it, it ties into this yoga philosophy of, of, of seva, um, loosely translated to serve, but it's, it's really tied into a greater context to, to serve the communal, the world with your essence by being alive. So there is this interconnectedness. Yes, you have to keep yourself alive and thriving and discover your own, you know, unique talents and your ways and bring them into the world so that you become that jigsaw puzzle piece that fits into the greater picture. Um, and so by, and in a healthy sense of ego, I think it is following our dreams and our urges and our needs and our desires so that we can become this 
very potent part of community, of society, humanity, and then beyond that um, as well. Um, so it is, yeah, it is to look into ourselves in order to contribute to others. But sometimes, sometimes when we look inwards, it can be, it can be just so difficult that it can be an access way to actually think about how can I serve someone else? How can I look beyond myself? What other people need? Um, to take that pressure off and also to get perspective because sometimes our ego can get into this little extra drawn. It's like, okay, that's our, <laughs> my personal sense of, of difficulties. And then if I get stuck in them, they, they sense more dense and entangled than they necessarily need to be. And so by looking outside with that context, it can help me to come back and, and, and see my, my difficulties for what they really are, their severity, but also, um, where they have a boundary. So they don't seep out into everything I do. So I thought that was beautiful by Sharon, this idea of, you know, but then of course, in, in the spiritual community, we then sometimes make helping the other more and better than within ourselves. And then the whole concept flips, right? Then the problem is about, you know, spiritual bypassing this whole idea of. Yeah, the savior sort of complex. And yeah, martyrism and this idea of, you know, uh, I get to myself and take care of myself when everyone else is taken care of. Um, and that's not sustainable, sustainable either. So that's then it's then the ego. What I think is not so often spoken about. It's still egocentric, but it's it's the low ego. That comes expression, you know, where the lower I get, the better I feel because I'm serving others, others more, but it's still about me. And so the idea of seva is really to lose yourself in in work with others in that environment, but then go home and eat and go home and exercise and go home and take rest so that you can go back out. So there has to be a dialogue. And I think that's when we talk about the healing journey. Um to, to me, yeah, that's where the ego sometimes gets a bad rep. And then we, you know, we go like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm avoiding all of that. And I'm just looking at somebody else because it seems to be spiritually higher to, to look and help others and, you know, be focused in that way, unaware of that the unaddressed needs actually influence all of our uh, decisions. So no matter how much we think we're helping others, we're really helping others. So we feel better. <laughs> It's got like a little behind the scenes reason sort of thing. And I think also sometimes the ego, it's never really talked about would be one aspect. And then like, and then it's also like people aren't really fully taught how to work with it unless they're coming maybe through a different sort of therapy lens nearly. That way, a lot of the spiritual communities, it's, it's kind of like not even really discussed. Like, you know, how, what is it really like? How? How do you know what is ego? And if it's not ego, what's the other side? Do you know what's it? What's that other part of me? You know, like, and how do I identify one from the other? How does one play out in my life? And you know, and because the ego isn't something, you go, you know, this it looks like this, and it'll talk to you exactly in this way, and it nearly does actually have those kind of things. But you know, it'll say exactly these things to you because you can't really wrap it up and put a little bow on it. It's kind of one of those things that it sneaks in, and you might not even know it's your ego unless you have, which is the first thing really to grow is your awareness of it. Like, so it's kind of like you know, it's in there, it's driving the car, but you don't even realize it's driving the car. 
Yeah. You know, and it's impacting everything in your life from how you think about yourself to the decisions you're making, the behaviors that play out, the patterns that run in you. Like, mm-hmm. so it's such a, it's such an interesting thing because it's, it drives us on so many different levels and so many subtle levels. It's, it's one way we, it's also described as, you know, when we talk about the mind and the heart, you know, that the ego is oftentimes associated with 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 the mind this this overthinking in that way especially the brain part of it and then the heart the heart quality and the heart consciousness you know where we go into this idea of unconditional love and this idea of you know i can think beyond the physical limitations of myself where my skin ends that's where i end you know that idea that we're all interconnected goes into that um but i think what happens is when we the ego in a way is really beautiful because it highlights first and foremost our needs, our survival needs, but all the other needs as well. What it then does, if we're not aware of it, it just keeps spinning in that direction. So it just wants more of, to some level, it's, you know, the first couple of, (laughs) the first couple of bites are healthy because you're hungry and nourishing and then you just can't get away from the buffet (laughs) and that's sort of the ego on an overdrive it's like too much of that thing that was originally designed to keep you safe to keep you stable to keep you grounded to keep you shelter and closed and so on and so i think that's where awareness comes in to really recognize instead of just negate the ego and give it a bad name to actually recognize okay so when something is really driving me here i feel this push that something needs to happen it usually comes with an urgency attached to it and if you think in a modern world with how much of our life has a sense a quality of urgency we can imagine how often the ego is involved in because the ego on a on a neurological level is your sympathetic nervous system spiking up and going your adrenals going go 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 so it has this urgency tone to it. Um, that is sort of one giveaway, I think, where you can sense it. Now, we live in times where there's constantly this go, 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 which then can mean two things. It can either mean <laughs> that it, there's really the requirement for that. And we've created a, you know, a system and we've created a culture where, you know, our, we are constantly literally feeling we're, we're just about surviving. Or it can mean also in different situations that our ego has just gone over, shoot a little bit and thinks everything is dangerous. And the reality is probably a mixture of, of both. They're, both of those are, are, are true to some extent. But I, I felt a way of working with it always is to notice where the urgency comes in, where, you know, that inner dialogue, no, 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 that needs to be done right now. I need, 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 I need to get this done. Whenever that sort of comes into your language, either externally with someone or in your own inner mind, that's a good indication. Um, how do you find it? And what do you think? Harshness. Harshness. Mm-hmm. A harshness with the voice. Mm-hmm. Well, like, just like you said, no, it's not going, oh, yeah, you need to keep going. Like, yeah, just keep moving. It's like going, you have to, you need to, you know, and if you, if you don't, and then like, you never actually hear the consequence, but there's just, you just know there is one sort of thing, but a harshness and a closing down of the energy field. Like it really just feel like the whole energy field just sort of collapses on itself and sort of will either come to certain areas nearly and sort of just be lodged there, depending on the programming, the system that's running behind that that internal dialogue at that time. Like, um, so to me, it feels like that, like that, like a real. It doesn't speak with compassion. It's like 
and it usually doesn't even sound like yourself that way. Like, and ask anybody, and it's never in the same place. They all hang out in different places in the body. Like, I love doing that work with clients. I'm like, okay, let's. Where is it? And they're like, hey. they're looking at you. Like, this is so stupid. And like, and then they feel it, and they sort of see in a sense, or feel or sense, or know where in the whole system is actually hanging out. And then if you can get people to tune into their inner self, their true self or their essence, their soul, and then go, okay, where's that hanging out? And they're always in different places and they're different voices like, but then if you can learn to distinguish us and okay, whose voice actually is that going you need to? And you're going, oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's not actually me. That's, oh, that's what so-and-so used to say. Or that's what I just know it runs in our family. Or that's what I've learned from school, from society, wherever it might be. Like, And sometimes it doesn't even matter. You just identify that it's not me. Like mm-hmm. That way, so you get to have this bit of space and separation between you and the ego when you realize that's not me. Like, you know, it's not the full me. And I sometimes think people don't know how to separate themselves or they just think that voice in my head speaks the truth all of the time until you begin to realize that voice in my head has 12 different million voices all and some of them are all speaking at the same time but not all of them are true you know and not all of them actually even belong to me you know like and they're not just on my head they're running through the rest of my energy body like because they're playing out in how I feel, the emotions that are running through, the behaviors that run through, the patterns, the stories I tell myself about who I am. Like, so it's kind of like, you know, it's we sometimes it just goes in the head. It's like, yeah, but it runs through every part of us. Like, mm-hmm. so it's like yeah. a little octopus you can lift out. <laughs> you can, you can see it. Um, you can see it in a physical practice when you watch people practicing. Um, there is a there's a different way to moving that is when the ego is involved in that way in that harsh urgence tone the movement becomes way more mechanical um it is usually over pronounced so it's the be the good girl or be the good boy in that way so i'm giving 150 percent. so everything is almost too perfect it's almost too good to you know to be true in that way when you look in terms of alignment from the from the outside of the body so there's this general workings throughout the body and then you can actually see it physically as well exactly what you described where in the body it manifests as a teacher and so the capacity then in even a physical class is to the beauty of it is that you especially in a group class, you actually will not address what's going on on a deeper level. But if you understand that as a teacher and you can read bodies in that way, you can create an environment, circumstances, um, adjustments within the body that uh, hands-on assists in a way that help that person feel that experience. It's like, oh, wow, okay. I've gone way over there, and it's it's like I remember him coming. I'm coming back, but you can for sure see it in the in the physical expression. It's it's so interesting because to me as well, the more time we spend with, you know, when when that is the, this this unhealthy sense of ego is active, we can mistake it to be ourselves, right? Because we become so familiar with it, and 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 so it requires when working with the ego in that way to. <laughs> to kind of you know trust the unfamiliar sometimes and we have to walk that path so so gently because the moment when we push ourselves too hard and we feel threatened 
the healthy sense of ego is kicking in to keep us safe and pulling us back, but that will now feed into the already loud, overexpressed sense of ego. So it's this chain reaction. And so you can't force your way, I found, out of ego or ego work or when you think it's, it's, it's present. You can't, you know, the harsher you get, the more that collapsing is just rippling through. So in my experience, you have to meet it with, with, with the, with almost like an opposite sort of quality or a, usually a greater, a holding, a space holding, a gentler, a softer capacity. And the more we judge and lean into, into that, the harsher and, and the ego again, it, because it is through the nervous system as well, wired and refined over so many thousands and thousands of years in us humans. It is, it's, it's very quick to adjust. And so if it feels threatened by yourself, it will also adjust <laughs> to get you out of that threat. It doesn't, the ego doesn't care whether it's threatened by itself or it's threatened by others. If it's threatened, it runs through these reflexes and these mechanisms. And so when we're working in a harsh way with the ego, we're continuously moving, moving that on. So it's so much about finding, finding softness and finding the capacity to watch and to let it also express itself the way you work when we feel it in these different parts in the body, or even if we feel it in, 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 in the yoga postures, when we're noticing that just to go, okay, I was like, my awareness is holding all of that that's happening. It doesn't mean I have to kind of rearrange the whole body. And the same as a yoga teacher, when you come into that realm and you feel that that's like going on for some, from a student ahead of you, it's to not go in and readjust the whole system right away. Cause you add more of that pressure. It's really how, as teachers, for those of you listening who are teachers, how can we hold that space for our students so that they feel held and safe so the system can naturally downward regulate? Mm. It's like holding, to me, like I see it in, in teaching the energy work and all, and the simplest of things that, you know, of a self-practice, like of learning to do the self-practice where the head will kick in straight away of it's right, it's wrong, it's good, it's bad. I'm like, they're doing it better than I am. They're feeling this, I am not. And it comes in so many little subtle layers, like, and then I don't have time to do this. Or when I sit down, my head is busy and it shouldn't be busy. Like, you know, and all these kind of expectations of it, that it's really interesting that the, the hardest part is actually sitting with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like sitting, pulling up a chair and sitting with it, like, and actually just going, it's, that's normal. You know, like when we are, whether we're first learning something or whether we're still learning it 10 years later, because we're meeting it every time in a different way, like that we're able to just be with it and give it space to be there and to know that it's normal. Because mm. I, it's also like, you know, we think, you know, that the further along my path I am, then it shouldn't be there. Like, and it's like, it's still going to be there, like, because depending on what you're healing, it's going to trigger different aspects of your ego in different ways. Like, so it's to normalize that it's normal, like, it's normal to have it, like, but you have the, you can learn the tools to work with it rather than trying to lock it upstairs in the attic somewhere, like, where, like, just will just walk around and make even more noise possibly. So you're learning to, to me, it's like, you know, creating a space and being very gentle and soft and compassionate with the self where it's learning to hear what goes on inside ourselves, like, which is for a lot of it ain't pretty, like, of how we speak to ourselves and how we hear, like, the different tones and the different voices and where it 
limits us and where it draws the line and goes, that's as much as you're capable of, or no, we're, let's just stay in the same. Uh-uh, I don't want to change. No, we're not picking red socks because I always wear black socks, you know, from something so simple, but like the, all the life decisions us and no, let's just keep the status quo here. Yeah. It's so just, it's massive work. It's this need around safety and through safety, familiarity, right? Just, um, because so on a very mundane level, some of the things we don't dare wearing because we feel like we might stand out too much and standing out too much in sort of the history of humanity and being alive has usually, even if you look at the natural kingdom, there's, there's two ways to protect yourself as an animal. You either stand out and you look dangerous <laughs> or you blend, <laughs> you blend in. And so our nervous system is essentially still trying to do that. And I think that's where the, when we notice and when we sit with something, it's like to listen in and have that conversation so that the, that, that inflamed ego in that moment can actually speak to you why it's inflamed. There is something that's going on, why your system isn't feeling safe. And that can be something simply because you're building a business and you're leaning out the window. And then to have that conversation with your ego and go like, okay. And then drawing from a lot of other practices where you have points in your day, uh, where you consciously create circumstances where you feel safe physically safe whether it's you know whether it's yoga needed practice whether you actually have someone who loves you that gives you a hug where you know whatever it is that that allows you or whether you rationalize for yourself it's like okay okay i have food i have shelter i have right now right now i'm safe thank you very much ego for bringing this up and so it's this building this conversation but i think in that way it becomes actually such a beautiful tool to identifying what's lacking or where our perceived lack is of safety. Sometimes we are safe, but we don't feel safe. And that's where the inner language as well come, comes to it. You know, if we're listening to our own inner voice at times, if somebody would speak to us in that tone, would we feel safe with that person? And so to understand that and changing our inner narration in that way can do a lot to bring us back to safety because really the ego in that way and safety as important it is, it is really actually only the first step of us humans to live. Once our basic human needs are met, then we have the opportunity to really engage with the world out there, to really see the beauty, to really express ourselves, to bring our creativity into the world, the projects we want to do. What is it that you're longing to share with the world? But also, what is it that you're really longing for to experience in the world, you know? But as long as we're entangled and not listening to our ego going, hey, 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 you, whether it's reality or it's just perceived, but you're not safe, you're not safe. We can never give from our full heart there's always a part of us that's holding back and we can also not receive the beauty and the love from the people around us because inside of us something is holding harsh and tight and so working with the ego and understanding its need i think is so important because it influences how rich we feel the world is and how much we can draw from it and how the world gets to nourish us because when your ego is loud and when you're harsh and when your energies are so compartmentalized it's very, it's very difficult to feel the nourishment that's actually available. Mm. When you're like in that space, it's like the, the lower chakras are activated. So like the tendency will be to leave the body or to be out of the body. And sort of it's like, it's hard to sort of bring back in then 
the sort of the balance of the ego or to talk yourself back down into it because the first step is to actually come back to myself like in that space um there is a chat sort of in south american out there the jaguar would be representative of the of the mind but it has no predators but when it gets spooked it runs up to the top of the trees so to see it as the mind you have to coax it down you know and it knows it knows and it's like it well it knows in its head and it knows like yeah like ain't nobody coming after me like because i'm the top of the food chain but it still gets spooked mm. so you think that's our ego gets spooked by this sometimes real things and sometimes just perceived things that aren't that true so it goes runs up the tree like but then we have to coax it back down yeah and i think because it's like i think sometimes in healing that part's not chatted about a lot of us and we learn to talk to ourselves you know, have a different, you have an internal dialogue all the time. You're just not aware of it, but you're learning to have a different internal dialogue versus can I get rid of it? You know, and that's what I'll see people coming to healings and all. There's more like, you know, get rid of this, get rid of that, get rid of this part of me saying this here. And sometimes there is a need because it's an energy running through the system that doesn't belong to the body. But other times it's like, yeah, can we learn to talk to ourselves, you know, and coax ourselves back from those spaces or coax yourself towards and through those spaces as well. Like just like you said, it could be the setting up of the, the business or, you know, starting to be creative again, but the head's going, well, you're no good at that and you can't do that there. So can I learn to speak from it from my inner self place? You know, I said, okay, yeah, I haven't done this a long time. So it's okay that it's messy. It's okay. It doesn't look like anything. It's not meant to. I want to just do this for the fun. Like, you know, oh yeah, you can't set up a business. You've no experience X, Y, Z. Well, yeah, but like my higher self goes here, yeah, but you can learn all that. Mm. You know, so you're, you're, and I think that part sometimes isn't talked about because it takes a little bit of work, but it's like, you know, when I say people just talk to yourself, you know, coax yourself back down, they're like, huh? I'm like, yeah, because I regulate the nervous system and then you'll find you can talk to yourself back, like, because we're doing it anyway, like. We might as well say something different, a different script than the one that just is kept on repeat and challenge it. Mm. I don't think we realize we can challenge what we think, yeah. you know, like internally as well as externally, like, but to challenge those things I'm saying. I think the tone with which we challenge ourselves, our own thinking is really important. Um if it's an aggressive tone, there's just anything aggressive, your ego will always try and fight. Well, it's fight like, or flight. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you, it's like your child, like, you know, your, or your, your, your child, like, you know, if they catch in a bad day, you might scream, like, but like, if you're trying to coax them into something, you're like, hi, you know, or an animal. Hi, come on over, you know, come on down for the tree. <laughs> it's food involved, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 usually food. Um, or if you think of our inner self, your inner self, how, how, if you think, if you thought that it had a voice and you have heard it, but if you create a voice for it, what would that voice sound like? Your inner self isn't going to go, oh my God, you are the worst person ever. It's going to be speaking so much more softer. And it's not going to go, you're the worst person. It's going, well done, you, you've tried. Like That didn't work out, but that's grand. Sure, we'll get another shot of it. Now, further down the road, what, what have we learned from this? You know, like, so can I speak to myself an imaginary voice of, or pick a cartoon character that you, know, you may have seen that spoke in that kind of a way and use that voice? Like, yeah, because yeah, if it's harsh, it just it burns it up further. Mm. And I think 
that that picture you painted there with the the wild cut up in the tree is is so poignant because if you think of in that moment how the cat thinks of itself you know it doesn't see its potency it doesn't see its power it doesn't see its purpose on this world and how often are we stuck in exactly those ways of thinking where you go who am i you know what what am i to contribute here to the world and um our it's so ironic that as the cat runs up into tree or as we are disembodying ourselves, it's usually up and out in a way, but our vision actually goes down and in, <laughs> you know, the vision is never great when we are in those places where the ego is just inflamed and the cat's up at the top of the tree. Um, so bringing it back down into solid ground in, in a, in a kind way is really necessary in order for it to experience its actual power and its purpose on this planet. And the same goes for us. So the the more artful and kinder you can get in talking yourself back out of this tree um, means you open that doorway to your capacity to be more creative, to be more potent, to, you know, those things that we talk so much about in yoga and the spiritual world, to have more courage, you know, hard courage, but, you know, reaching out, be more open. Very hard to do those things if you're sitting somewhere up in a tree running away from the world you know and so if you're the more you're trying to find that vision that that openness from the heart you know let's do backbending class and open your heart but if you're sitting up there on a tree you will just run further and further up into that tree you, you're out of yourself you you it, it, it's it feels impossible and then you feel you're a failure again and so bringing yourself down and remembering also, and that comes with time, you know, the more often you, you, you consciously talk yourself back down into the ground, out of the tree, into your own body, into your own capacities and remember that feeling, the, the quicker that happens. So we will always be scared by something at some point, real or perceived. So allow yourself to go up there onto that tree, you know, just like have your moment, hang out there, you know disembody whatever whatever needs to happen in that moment but so that you can then come back come back down and that that's the actual the work that's required and then we shift from what we were saying earlier on between mind consciousness or brain consciousness and heart consciousness right then we can take the ego as literally our fire alarm that hopefully goes hopefully does go off when there's a fire i mean you want your ego to speak to you when there's actually a threat going on in your system um but it it doesn't get to run your whole life and so then you can start create from your heart centeredness then you can go and talk about vision and what's your dharma what's your purpose here in this lifetime what is it there that you want to experience and bring out into the world um and it's possible to relate to those and and bring those aspects into the world from a deeper layer so the more our ego, along with our nervous system, comes into this grounded place, the deeper and wider our vision actually and our capacities go, the more we understand the whole concept. Who am I? What am I here for? What's this whole thing called life here for actually, you know? Um, so it is, it is so important, I feel, to acknowledge the ego to learn to to work with in a healthy way to see what the ego is giving you like a fire alarm um but then also know how to re-regulate it and reset it and then also to know that that is not actually doesn't have to be the default state this upward regulation that being home in your system being alive does not always have to feel 
like, you know, if, if you've ever been in a house where a fire alarm went off, rightly or wrongly, so the sound is designed so you get out of the house because your brain can't think. Your body can't really move. It, 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 it distorts everything. It's designed so you're not spending time in that situation. And that's exactly how your nervous system and an enhanced ego is designed. So you get out of this situation. And, you know, um, whether that's for some of us, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I need more. I need more. I need more. I need more. It is like, listen to that because something that you're acquiring in some shape of where it's clearly not, it's not registered as enough. So what is it that you really need? And I think that's where the ego becomes the entryway to such beautiful spiritual work where we really talk about the healing journey. It highlights everything where we go, oh, I'm craving, oh, I have all these things, but I still don't feel I have enough. Where is that coming from? You know, so it can be a great um, waypointer. Mm. Yeah, the ego isn't the enemy, like, it's a teacher. And just like everything else we experience, like, uh, also, like, say, wrapping up today's little conversation, um, thinking about how can people take a step into navigating life alongside their ego or to come into friendship with it or to understand how their ego is working in their life, what would you suggest, Sabella? I'd actually start with, before I even go there, I would start in working with my inner languaging. So practice on, on the days when you're not feeling threatened, when the ego isn't shouting at you, when th- some, not everything is urgent and important and harsh. You know, when you maybe have that moment of you're just walking along the coastline or you, you know, um, you're out for coffee with a friend and you're excited about it and you're really enjoying it. And then you're driving home afterwards in that drive home afterwards, find a really kind language to yourself and really practice. How can you be with your words? So you feel actually good hearing your own language so you feel actually good being with yourself i think that is a really first potent step um to do and then secondary once once we kind of have a way and we get more familiar with oh i can sound like this i can hold myself in that space then to listen out for for those moments that we talked earlier when things get get harsh when things feel they become very dense in the body um for me, when I don't catch the ego, I usually, it, the way I know is when I say I need a massage. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, okay. All the practices, you know, are accumulated. I still need a massage. I'm like, oh, okay. I, uh, that, that I just know there's that much density in the physical body. Then, uh, like, oh, okay, let's work through some of those patterns, you know, but to keep an eye out on when things get narrow, dense, heavy for you, um, uh, and in between the two of them, find a language and notice when it shows up and then find a kind of language and notice when it shows up again. I think let that be a dance for a little while and that will give you a lot of information. What about you? Lovely. Um, for me, it would be sort of noticing the, the energy side of it, like what goes on physically. Don't know if I think of my energy body, even if I'm not aware I have an energy body, we all know what it feels like to you know, stand at the beach and feel really alive and feel really open. We all know what it feels like to be standing somewhere where we're really sad and feeling what the body feels like in that space, but noticing how the body in all different levels sort of feels like we know the places, you know, when somebody says X, how do I feel? You know, when 
somebody, when my mother says to me, you shouldn't need to rest, like you're young, how do I feel? When every part of my body is maybe going, I need to rest, like, you know, where does that hit me? What happens in my body? And then what happens in my mind? Do you know, like, what, what is my response to that there? Maybe like how, like in my physical body, but in my mental body, you know, what happens after I hear those things, like from maybe coming from externally, but also then maybe what happens when I'm saying things to myself, you should, you should be able to do that there faster. Like, you know, you, you shouldn't be in the place where you're at now. Like, you know, things should be easier for me. You know, like that was your fault that that relationship finished, you know, you know, what's, where am I feeling that in my body? What is my response? So it's kind of like you're beginning to sort of listen or even keep note that way, like, or just become stopping and just going, okay, what's really going on here? So you're allowing yourself to be present with what's arising, not with the need to fix it or do anything with it even at that stage, but just even that noticing can maybe allow you to go, oh, okay. Oh, I've, I've never, I've never noticed that before. Oh, actually, I know that feeling really well. Oh, that happens all the time. And then it might be, okay, what is my need behind that? So if somebody is saying to me, like, you, you shouldn't be feeling this way or you should be doing this and every part of me is going, that I can go, okay, my need is actually, that's not my truth. I actually do need to, you know, go for my walk or I need to switch off the computer or I need to go have a sleep or whatever it might be. I need to go do my laps in the pool, whatever it might be that I'm honoring that part then. And that might take time. So it's just allow initially the muscle for the awareness of what, sort of is the story I'm telling myself, what is my, how it makes me feel, what is my response to it? It would be an initial starting place, like, yeah. And then like, yeah, the other little thing would be sort of what I was saying earlier on, you know, catching the, the ego, sort of how it speaks to me. And then can I reframe it from the voice of my inner self? Do you know, like just to, just to allow myself just to soften in those moments. Yes, I'd say start there. Mm, definitely softer, right? If anything, if in doubt, le less, do less, be more with it, and just gentler, softer. Definitely, like because it's needed for everything. Because everything we do is so much more with an edge. So it's like allow that space just to be there, like yeah. And we can't outsmart it. <laughs> we can't <laughs> tried it <laughs> so you know, for all those sneaky sneaky people you know that have usually good strategies are going ah you know what i can outwork it <laughs> <laughs> it's it's grow definitely gentler softer and 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 be with it uh it's there for a reason yeah 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 Definitely, definitely. So beautiful. So thank you very much, Bibi, for another riveting conversation. And um, we hope the listeners enjoy it and have taken some little tips home to work with now and to sit with and befriend your little ego. And as always, any questions or anything you'd like to share from this episode, please do just let us know. We'd be delighted to hear from you. And otherwise, enjoy until we see you next week. See you next Bye. time. Bye. We'd like to thank you for listening to the Air School podcast hosted by Rosie McNally and BB Dalman. If you'd like to find out more about the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram. Or if you'd like to learn more about our individual work, you can check us out on our websites 
bbdelman.com and thethirstysoul.com.